This week's Parsha is Parsha Zisroy, and we are going to focus our shiur on the beginning of the Parsha. Chapter 18, verse number 1, the verse says, Vaishma Yisroy Koy Midyon, Yisroy, the minister of Midyon, Choysen Moshe, the father-in-law Moshe heard, as Kolash also Elohim le Moshe, everything that Elohim did to Moshe, le Yisrael Amoy, and to Yisrael, his nation, Kiyoitzi Hashem is Yisrael in Mitzrayim, the Hashem took the Jewish people out of Egypt. Rashi asks, Ma Shmu Hashem what did Yisrael hear that caused them to come? Kriyas Yamsuf, the crossing of the sea, Umilchem es Amolek, and the fight against Amolek. The end of last week's Parsha talks about the Jewish people battling Amolek. Yisrael heard that and he came. And Mephorshim explained that Rashi says this because first it's written as call everything that Hashem did to the Egyptians, and we know that everybody heard Kriyas Yamsuf, as it's written, Sham Ami Mirgozun, that the nations heard and they became fearful. So everybody heard about the crossing of the sea because everybody of water split up. And also, since last week's Parsha talks about the fight of Amalek, therefore Rashi brings down that he heard these two things and he decided to come. Sefer Divre Torah brings down from Rabzvi Elimelech Medina Zatzal that the word Vayishma is the initials Shama Milchemes Amolek Ukriyas Yamsuf, that he heard the fight of Amolek and the crossing of the sea, because the Vav is U Kriyas, and the Yud of Vayishma is Yam, and then the Shin, the Mem, and the Ayan is Shama Milchemes Amolek. So Vayishma includes these two things that he heard the war of Amalek and the crossing of the sea, therefore Rashi has to say that he heard those things. But we will try to give different interpretations what Yisro heard that caused them to come. Then the verse continues, Yisro, the father-in-law of Moshe, took Tzipora, the wife of Moshe, after he sent her away. So Rashi explains the story. Rashi says that when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, go back to Egypt, then Vaikach Moshe's Ishtu was born of. Then it's written there that Moshe Rabbeinu took his wife and children. Naharan came out to meet them. As it's written in chapter 4, verse number 27, that Vayetza Haran came towards him. And he found him in the mountain of Hashem. So Haran asks Moshe Rabbeinu, Who are these people that you're bringing with you? Moshe Rabbeinu answers Aharon that this is my wife and children. Aharon asks Moshe Rabbeinu, where are you taking them? Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm taking them to Egypt. Aharon says that we are paying for those that are there, that they are slaves, and you are bringing more slaves to work for Pharaoh. At that point, Moshe Rabbeinu tells Zipporah to go back to her father's house, and Zipporah takes her two children with her, and they go back to her father's house, and now Yisro is bringing them back. That is what Rashi brings from the Mechilta. The Targumunculus on the words Acha Shluchayu writes down Bosser the Potra after he divorced her. As a matter of fact, the Mechilta in Israel Yud Ches Aleph and the Yalkut in Remes Reish Samaches write down clearly that he divorced her with a bill of divorce. Based on this interpretation of the Targumunculus, there is a beautiful Hanukkah Satoira, where the Hanukkah Satoira notes that in the beginning of the parsha it says, that Israel heard everything that Elohim did to Moshe. And then it says, Ki Oitzi Hashem Israel Mitzrayim, that Hashem took out the Jewish people of Egypt. 
we know that Elohim is Midas Adin, is the attribute of justice, and Hashem is Midas Rachmim, the attribute of mercy. And in regards to Moshe Rabbeinu, it's written Midas Adin, the attribute of justice. And in regards to Jewish people, it's written Midas Rachmim, the attribute of mercy. Sefer Hanukkah Satora answers based on what's written in Shmos chapter 4, verse number 14. There it says, Vayichar af Hashem be-Moshe, that Hashem became angry at Moshe. Vayoymer, he says, Aloy ahar nachich alevi, is there not a harn, your brother the Levite, he is going to be in front of you and he is going to talk to Pharaoh. Meaning, after Moshe Rabbeinu delayed going to Pharaoh by giving different arguments, Hashem got angry and the Gemorians vochim, daf kuf beis, omed alev, 102a writes down that every time Hashem gets angry, there is repercussions, and here seemingly there's no repercussions. Then the Gemara says that here too there was repercussions because right afterwards it's written, your brother the Levite. Clearly, I know that Moshe Rabbeinu's brother is a Levite. Why does the Torah have to tell me that Aharon, your brother the Levite? Therefore, the Gemara says that Hashem was punishing Moshe Rabbeinu for his recalcitrance that until now, Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to be the Koyan, and Aharon was supposed to be the Levite, but now because of Moshe Rabbeinu's delaying, Moshe Rabbeinu becomes the Levite, and Aharon becomes the Koyan. comes out that the attribute of justice hit Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu is no longer the Koyan, and he is the Levite. According to this, Sefer Hanukkah Torah explains that this is exactly what Yisroi heard, meaning Yisroi heard what Elohim did to Moshe Rabbeinu, meaning that Moshe Rabbeinu is no longer the Kohen, that he is the Levi. Therefore, Yisroi brought Zipporah, the wife of Moshe, after he divorced her. Meaning, that we know that a Kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee, even if it is own divorcee, meaning if he divorces a woman, he wants to remarry the same woman, a Kohen is not allowed to remarry that woman, because once she is a divorcee, she is prohibited to a Kohen. And here, Yisroi wants to bring back Zipporah to Moshe Rabbeinu, that could only happen if the attribute of justice hit Moshe Rabbeinu. Because now, since Moshe Rabbeinu is no longer the Kohen, he's the Levi, now Yisroi could bring back Zipporah, the wife of Moshe, after he sent her out. But before that, if the attribute of justice would have not hit Moshe Rabbeinu, then Yisroi would not have never brought back Zipporah, because since Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kohen, and being a Kohen he cannot marry a divorcee, Therefore, there is no purpose for Israel to bring back Zipporah to Moshe Rabbeinu. In truth, the Gemorian Zvachim gives two opinions, and one opinion says that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Koyan all the way through, meaning that he never lost the Kahuna, but his children lost the Kahuna, meaning that his children after him aren't going to be coins anymore, only Ahad is going to be the Kohen. Then, according to the opinion that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kohen, the Hassam Soifer asks, what good is it that Yisroi brought back Zipporah to Moshe Rabbeinu since Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kohen and a Kohen cannot marry a divorcee. Therefore, the Hassam Soifer gives two different answers. One answer the Hassam Soifer brings that Moshe Rabbeinu gave her a get on Tnai, meaning that Moshe Rabbeinu gave her a bill of divorce on the condition, in the same way that everybody that went to war gave a bill of divorce to his wife and he said that if I don't come back, then you should be divorced from today. So too, Moshe Rabbeinu gave a bill of divorce to Zipporah conditionally, that if he doesn't come back from Egypt, then she would be divorced. And now Yisrael brought her back, automatically the divorce is cancelled, and therefore 
there is no problem with her marrying Moshe Rabbeinu again. The other opinion of the Hassam Soifer is that the marriage of Moshe Rabbeinu to Tzipora was conditional. And this is based on the Mechilte in Parshas Yisroi, Perik Alev, where the Mechilte brings from Rabelezer Amoidoe, where he says that when Moshe Rabbeinu told Yisroi, give me Tzipora for a wife, then Yisroi says that I will give him the condition that you give your first son for idolatry. And Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to that, and he swore, as it's written by Yoel Moshe, the Sheves Esoich, that is a verse on chapter 2, verse number 21, and Vayoyal is a Loshen Shvua, Loshen Allah, a language of swearing. And Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to this. We're going to explain soon why Moshe Rabbeinu would agree to that and what was involved. But nonetheless, the Balaturim in chapter 2, verse number 16, where it says, Lekoy and Midian, that Koy Midian had seven daughters, the Balaturim brings down that it's written three times the Mesorah, the word Ule Kohen, one time here and two times in Pesel Micha. At the end of Book of Judges on chapter 18 and 19, where it describes the idolatry that the tribe of Dan put, and the name of idolatry was Micha. And there it's written in verse number 30 that the priest for the idolatry of Micha was Yonason ben Gershon ben Menashe, Yonason the son of Gershom the son of Manasseh, and in the Mesorah, the word Manasseh is written with a noon floating, meaning it's not in the same line as the other words, and the Gemara asks, is it Ben Manasseh? We know that he's Ben Moshe, meaning that Yonason was actually the son of Gershom, the son of Moshe, then why you call him Ben Manasseh? And the Gemara answers that he acted like Manasseh, that he brought idolatry, therefore, in order to not to embarrass Moshe Rabbeinu, we write that's Ben Menashe. So the Balaturim explains that because Moshe Rabbeinu promised that his first son is going to be to idolatry, therefore it manifested itself in his grandchild. As just as a side note, the Gemara there continues and says that David Amelech was able to take this Yonason out of idolatry and put him in his treasure since he realized that the priest really did not worship the idol of Micha. He just was getting money from it. Therefore, David Amelech gave him a job as his treasurer since he likes money. But going back to our topic, the Hassam Soifer says that Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to marry Tzipora and to the condition that his first son is going to be to idolatry only because Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid of his life. Since Paroi was looking for him all over and according to different Medrashim, actually Moshe Rabbeinu was in jail because Yisroi was going to give him over to Paroi. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu saw that he has no choice. He has to agree to marry Tzipora in order for Yisroi not to give him over to Paroi. And he had to agree to any condition that Yisroi makes in order for him to marry Tzipora because he was afraid of his life. But once Hashem told him that he should go back to Egypt and not be afraid of Paroi, then Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't afraid of Paroi anymore. Then Moshe Rabbeinu had no intention to follow through the condition to give his first son to idolatry. Automatically, retroactively, his marriage was not a marriage because his marriage was only conditional if his first son is going to be for idolatry. But once Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't afraid anymore, Moshe Rabbeinu removed that condition automatically. His marriage became void. Therefore, Yisrael could bring back Tzipora even though he sent her away. And even if Moshe Rabbeinu is a Kohen, 
because the marriage was never a marriage, then this ends up being their first marriage. Then the Chassam Soifer gives another explanation what it means after he sent her out, that it is not really a divorce. It is really when Tzipora decided to leave her husband. And before the Chassam Soifer gives his interpretation, he introduces the verse that is in this week's passage, chapter 18, verse number 5, where it says, Vayavo Yisra, Choshe Moshe, Yisra, the father of Moshe, Uvanov, and his children, Ishtoi, and his wife came, El Moshe, to Moshe Rabbeinu, El Amidbar, to the desert, Asher Uchoinesham, that he's resting there, Haru Alekim, at the mountain of Hashem. And not before Shema bothered of why does the Torah need to tell me that Moshe Rabbeinu is coming to the desert, El Haru Alekim, to the mountain of Hashem, we know where he is. We know that he is in the desert. Then why is the Torah emphasizing that Israel is coming to the desert, to the mountain of Hashem? True that Rashi asks this question, and Rashi says that it is telling you the greatness of Israel that even though the Jewish people are in the desert, Israel left his place where he was a prince and came to the desert to join the Jewish people. But the Chassam Soifer explains that the point of this verse is that Israel came came to the mountain of Hashem. The Chassam Soifer explains in the following way. In Shemos chapter 4, verse number 18, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Yisroi and he asks his permission to go back to Egypt. Then Yisroi tells Moshe Rabbeinu, Leich Shalom, go in peace. That means that Yisroi gave him permission to go back to Egypt, even though he promised him previously that his first son is going to be for adultery, but here he relinquished that promise by saying, Leich Shalom, going peace. And he explains that Tzipora agreed to go with Moshe Rabbeinu because Tzipora thought that this is going to be a temporary trip, meaning that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to Egypt to redeem the Jewish people, and then Moshe Rabbeinu is going to come back to Midian. But once Tzipora realized that Moshe Rabbeinu has no intention to come back to Midian, then Tzipora decided that she is going to take her two children and go back to Midian. Because since you cannot force a woman to go to a different place where she doesn't want, therefore she was within the right that she could go back to her father's house. And even though there is a Mishnah Ksubas, Daf Kufyut Ahmed Beis 110b, where the Mishnah there says, Hakoil Oilin, that you could force anybody to go up to Eretz Israel, meaning if the wife does not want to go up to Eretz Israel, you could force her to go up to Eretz Israel. And clearly, the place where the Shechina is, is at least as holy as Eretz Israel, then technically, Sipora could be forced to go with Moshe Rabbeinu to the mountain of Hashem. Could be that at that point, it was not public yet, that the Shechina is in the mountain of Hashem, that this is the place where Hashem is. Therefore, Tzipora decided that she is going to go back to her father's place and left Moshe Rabbeinu and took her two children with her. But now that Israel converts to Judaism, Israel realizes how holy the mountain of Hashem is, now Israel realizes that in technicality, Tzipora could be forced to go with Moshe Rabbeinu because you could bring everybody up to Eretz Israel since he has a greater Kedusha. Clearly, you could bring anybody to Har Alekim 
to the Mount of Hashem since it is so holy. Therefore, now Yisroi brings back Zipporah, the wife of Moshe Rabbeinu, after he sent her out, because now it is the proper place to come, because the Shekhinah is there. So, according to this, comes out that Zipporah came back, because here it's Har Elohim, here is the Mount of Hashem, and you could force anybody to come up to a holier place to reside. Then the Hassam Sefer brings his final answer, which is the opinion of the Ramban, of why Zipporah left Moshe Rabbeinu. And the opinion of the Ramban is that in the end of Parsha Shmos, where they were going to the hotel and Zipporah had to circumcise her son Eliezer, as it's written in chapter 4, verse number 24 through 26, he explains that Eliezer was sick and he couldn't travel on the road. So therefore Moshe Rabbeinu went on without Eliezer and Zipporah decided that she's going to go back to her father's house. Therefore, she was not together with Moshe Rabbeinu the whole time, because after the circumcision, she took him back to Midian, whereas Moshe Rabbeinu continued his journey to Mitzrayim. In regards to the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu would agree that his first son should be for idolatry, there are many different interpretations. The first interpretation is actually the interpretation based on the Balaturim, that the Balaturim says that Moshe Rabbeinu knew that Yisroi is going to convert to Judaism, then Moshe Rabbeinu knew that at the point when Gershon is of age to serve idolatry, then Yisroi is already serving Hashem wholeheartedly, then there is no fear that Gershon is going to serve idolatry. The Chedish Horim explains Based on Rashi, on chapter 2 of Shmos, verse number 16, where there it says, Lekoye Midian, and to the priests of Midian. So Rashi says, Rav Shabuham, he was the leader, who perished when he avoided Zorah, and yet separated from idolatry, when he do Maslam, and they excommunicated Yisroi. Therefore, when his daughters came, the shepherds did not want to give them water, and Moshe Rabbeinu had to save them because Israel at that point had already separated from idolatry and was serving Hashem. Therefore, they explained that the argument between Moshe Rabbeinu and Israel was, in a way, how do you teach your child? Do you let your child make all the idols of the world and see that they are not worth anything? And then you come to Hashem like that, your emuna, your trust in Hashem is complete because that trust based in knowledge that everything else is not worth it and everything else is fake. And then your belief is total in the same way that Avraham Avinu was able to get to Hashem by trying out all other gods. Or do you teach your child to have a munapshuta, to teach your child to believe in Hashem and not let them stray for a while in other idols to find out that the other idols are not worth anything. And since Yisroi came to the awareness of Hashem by trying out all other idols, as it's listed in this week's Parsha, where the verse says that Kiato Yodati, now I know, Kigodol Hashem, that Hashem is greater, Mikolalukim, from all gods, it's not that Hashem is greater than all gods, which implies that all gods have power and Hashem is a greater power. The meaning of the verse is that I know that Hashem is great from trying out all other gods. So that is the way that Israel came to the awareness of Hashem, the awareness of the oneness of Hashem. So too, Israel wanted 
that his grandson should come to the same awareness in the same way that he came. And Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to that idea because Moshe Rabbeinu knew that Gershom eventually is going to realize that Hashem is the only one. But since Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to this idea, even though in the end Gershom never became a priest to idolatry, but that manifested itself in his grandchild, that his grandchild became a priest to idolatry. Because that is not the proper way to bring up your child. If you know something is wrong, you don't let your child stumble and fall. You make sure that he gets the proper education right away. The Shalaz Uchuvah Zaradvaz in Beis Alofim Kof Samaches brings the Mechilta, where the Mechilta actually says that when Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to marry Tzipora, then Yisroi told them, Kabbalah agree that Haben that the first child that you're going to have, Tia Lavoidazara, is going to be for idolatry. Mikan Ve'elach, from here on, Leshem Shomaim is going to be for Hashem. And Moshe Rabbeinu agreed and swore to him. So the Charles Shivazar Dvas is asked, how is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu would agree that his first child should be for idolatry? The Charles Shivazar Dvas answers, that Chaz V'Sholem, heaven forbid, that Moshe Rabbeinu would agree to such a thing. Moshe Rabbeinu only swore to Israel in the same language that Israel said, meaning that Israel made a mistake, because Israel should have said that your first child is going to be for Avodah Misham Mishom from then on, is going to be L'Shem Shomayim, is going to be for Hashem. And if Israel would have said in that way, Moshe Rabbeinu would have never agreed to that condition that his child should become for idolatry. But since Yisroi said, Mikan ve'elach, from here on is going to be for Hashem, meaning that your first child is going to be for idolatry, but from here on, not from there on, therefore Moshe Rabbeinu agreed that from here on, from this point when Yisroi is talking, the child is going to be L'Shem Shomayim for Hashem. Yisroel mistakenly thought that Moshe Rabbeinu is agreeing that his first child is going to be for idolatry and the next child is going to be for Hashem. But Moshe Rabbeinu only swore that from here on his child is going to be for Hashem. And he brings the Mordechai, that Mordechai says that when a non-Jew fools himself, then you are allowed to keep it. You can't cause a non-Jew to be fooled. But when he is fooling himself, like here, where Yisrael himself said the language, that you don't have to correct him, then when Moshe Rabbeinu swore that he's going to do what Yisrael says, it means that he's going to do that Mikam Ve'elach, from here on, his child is going to be L'Shem Shomayim, for Hashem. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu never swore that his child is going to be for idolatry. And he continues and says that since Yisrael actually thought that Moshe Rabbeinu had sworn that his first child is going to be for idolatry, therefore it manifested itself by Moshe Rabbeinu's grandchild that eventually he did idolatry. But Moshe Rabbeinu never swore to such a thing. Sefer Shema Yisrael and also Mishnas Rabelezer and also Sefer Gan Yosef Eden David explain in the same way and they explain based on the Gemorin Ksubas Daf Kofiut Omed Beis 110b, where the Gemara there says, Tonu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, Loilom Yodur Odom Beres Yisrael, a person should dwell in Eretz Yisrael, Afilo Beir Shirubo Avit Kachavim, even a town that most people are idol worshippers, 
Vayadur bechutz laaretz and he should not live outside of Eretz Yisrael. Shekol adar beEretz Yisrael because anybody who lives in Eretz Yisrael it's considered to be as one who has a God. Anybody who lives outside of Eretz Yisrael it looks like he doesn't have a God. The Gemara asks a question anybody who doesn't live in Eretz Yisrael doesn't have a God, meaning clearly the person is not Godless, God is the God of the entire world. Eloloi Malach Degmore explains that anybody who lives outside of Ritz Yisrael is tantamount as he would do idol worship. Rashi and Targum Yonis and Benoziel explain that the idea is that since when you live outside of Ritz Yisrael you're going to have to pay taxes for the pagans and those taxes are going to be used for idolatry therefore it's tantamount as you have done idolatry. But the Rambam and the Rajba explain it in a different vein. Their explanation is based on the Pasuk in Parshas Ekev, chapter 11, verse number 12, where there the Torah is praising the greatness of Eretz Israel. The Torah says, Eretz Hashem Elokecho Doresh Oiso, it is a land that Hashem, your God, seeks out. Tomid Eini Hashem Elokecho Ba, always the eyes of Hashem are honored. From the beginning of the year until year's end, which implies that Eretz Israel is a land where Hashem closely supervises and Hashem allows the other lands to be guided by angels. Meaning, the Hashem set up that Eretz Israel is called the land of Hashem. He and only He directly supervises what goes on in Eretz Israel and the other lands. Hashem allows the angels to run what goes on every day. True, that Hashem knows what is going on. And Hashem could intervene anytime He wants, but normally you are under the auspices of the angels. Therefore, when you live outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's tantamount like you are worshipping those angels. Therefore, it's tantamount of you performing idolatry. According to this, Sefer Shmash Loime and Mishnah Seliezer and Gan Yosef Aiden David explain that this is exactly what Yisroi wanted Moshe Rabbeinu to swear. Meaning that Yisroi knew that eventually the Jewish people are going to go to Eretz Yisrael. And Yisroi was afraid that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to do in the same way that Yaakov Ovinu did. Meaning that Yaakov Ovinu went to Padan Aram and he married his four wives, and he had 11 children, and eventually he took all his 11 children back to Eretz Israel, not leaving a single grandchild to serve Lavan in his old age. So Yisrael was afraid that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to do the same thing that Yaakov did, that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to have children in Midian, and eventually he knew that Hashem is going to give the land to the Jewish people, then all Moshe Rabbeinu's children are going to go and live in Eretz Israel. Therefore, Yisroi requested and made Moshe Rabbeinu swear that the first child that he'll have will remain with him in Midian, will remain Chutzlaretz, which is tantamount of doing idolatry, and only the other children Moshe Rabbeinu is going to take to Eretz Israel. And Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to that, meaning Moshe Rabbeinu agreed that his first born child is going to remain Chutz which is tantamount 
of him doing adultery, and the other children will come to Eretz Israel. So according to this, Moshe Rabbeinu never agreed to actually give his first child to idolatry. And could be that because Moshe Rabbeinu agreed to leave his child outside of Eretz Israel, which is tantamount for doing adultery, therefore his great-grandchild Yonatan became a priest for idolatry. To emphasize the point that anybody who lives outside of Eretz Israel is tantamount of committing idolatry. The Berach Moshe is going to answer all our questions and is going to answer our questions based on the Gemara in Soita Dav Dalet Omed Beis. There the Gemara says, Omar Rabbi Yochan, Mishun Rabbi Shimon Ba'yechai, Rabbi Yochan says in the name of Rabbi Shimon Ba'yechai, Kol Odom Sheyesh Boy Gasa Zaruach, any person that has haughtiness, Kilu Oivet Avoides Kachavim, it's tantamount as you would have committed idolatry. How do I know that? Ksiv Ocha, because it's written here in Mishle, chapter 16, verse number 5, Toyavas Hashem Kol Gvalev, that is abomination to Hashem, anybody who is haughty, and it's written in the Devorim, chapter 7, verse number 26, in regards to idolatry, you should not bring abomination into your house. So we see that idolatry is called abomination and haughtiness is called abomination. Therefore he says that anybody who is haughty is tantamount as you would have committed idolatry. Further on, in Dafhei Omed Aleph, the Gemara says, Omar Abhiya Barash Omarav, the Rabhiya Barash says the name of Rav, Tamit Chacham, a Torah scholar, Tzorich Shehei Boy Echot Mishmoin Mishminis, is required to have one eighth of an eighth of haughtiness, meaning that even though a normal person shouldn't have any haughtiness, but a Torah scholar should have an eighth of an eighth of haughtiness, and Rashi explains that the reason is so that frivolous people won't sport with him, and also that you want your word to be accepted, therefore you're required to have a little bit of haughtiness. And the Gemara brings other scholars that said the same thing, that you're required to have a little bit of haughtiness. Then the Gemara continues, Omar Rav Nachman Bar Rav Nachman Bar says, Loi mina veloi miksasa, a person should not desire to have all of it, meaning it shouldn't be haughty completely, and not even a small amount of haughtiness. Why? Mizuter is it little insignificant, Dichsivba, what is written in the verse that we mentioned, Toyavas Hashem Kol Gvalev, that's abomination to Hashem, anybody who is haughty, therefore, clearly, you should not be haughty. So therefore, Rab Nachman Bar holds that even a Torah scholar should not desire to have any haughtiness, should not have any haughtiness, because it is called abomination. The Yun Yaakov explains that Rav Nachman Bar received his opinion from what Rabbi Yochanan said before, that Rabbi Yochanan said that anybody who is haughty is tantamount of committing idolatry, and in regards to idolatry, it's written in Devarim chapter 13, verse number 18, in regards of a wayward city, meaning a city that commits idolatry, then we are required to take all the people and kill and all the animals, and then we are required to take all the wealth of the city and burn it, there it's written on verse number 18, that it should not be in your hand 
any banned property, meaning that you shouldn't have absolutely anything from the banned property, then you see that even though this isn't really the idolaters, it's just the property of the idolaters, still it's not supposed to have any part of it. Therefore, since haughtiness is tantamount to idolatry, then clearly you're not supposed to have any part of haughtiness on you. Therefore, Rav Nachman Breitzak held that you're not supposed to have even an eighth of an eighth of haughtiness, and even if you are a Torah scholar, you should also not have any haughtiness at all. And the Berach Moshe continues and explains that clearly Moshe Rabbeinu held like Rav Nachman Baritzak, because since the verse in Bamidbar chapter 12, verse number 3 says, Vewish Moshe, Anav Mo'it, Mikol Adom, Asher Adama, that Moshe Rabbeinu is exceedingly humble more than any person in the face of the earth. That means that Moshe Rabbeinu was more humble than anybody, even though Moshe Rabbeinu was clearly a Torah scholar. Then we see clearly that Moshe Rabbeinu did not hold from this idea of Rav that you're supposed to be a little bit haughty, that he held, like Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, that even a Torah scholar is not allowed to have any haughtiness at all. And the Berach Moshe says that this was the disagreement between Moshe Rabbeinu and Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu held that a Torah scholar should not be haughty at all, because since haughtiness is compared to idolatry, then a person shouldn't be haughty at all. And Yisrael held that if you are a Torah scholar, you want your words to be accepted, then you should be a little bit haughty, as the opinion of Rav in the Gemara. According to this, Sefer Berach Moshe explains that this is the interpretation of the Mechilta, meaning that Yisrael knew that Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't believe in haughtiness altogether, but Yisrael believed that you require to have a little bit of haughtiness, like the Gemara brings down there in the name of Rav. Therefore, Yisrael says that I want that the first child that you have will be able to have haughtiness. And other children, you could act the way you want, that you don't have to have any haughtiness. Therefore, he says that I want the first child to be La Voidezara, meaning that since haughtiness is tantamount of Voidezara, I want him to be a little bit of Voidezara. And to that, Moshe Rabbeinu agreed. But Moshe Rabbeinu never agreed to let his children be Voidezara. He just agreed that his child should be haughty. Then the Berach Moshe asks, if Moshe Rabbeinu held that you're not allowed to be haughty, why would he agree that his firstborn child should be a little bit haughty. Therefore, the Berach Moshe explains, based on the Gemara in Shabbos, Dafkuf Mem Hey Omed Beis, 145b, where there, Rabbi Yochanan himself says, Why the Torah scholars in Babel are adorned in beautiful clothing, while those in Israel are not? So Rabbi Yochanan says, Because the people in Babel are not native to their locale, they were exiled here from Eretz Israel. therefore they need to have beautiful clothing in order for people to respect them. So we see that even though Rabbi Yochan holds that anybody who is haughty is tantamount of him making idolatry, nonetheless he holds that if you are not in your place, you are entitled to wear beautiful clothing in order for people to afford you honor, and honor is a little bit of haughtiness. So according to this, Sefer Berach Moshe explains that this is exactly the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu agreed that his firstborn son should be able to be a little haughty, because since he is not in his place, therefore he is entitled to be haughty. And therefore also, says the Berach Moshe, that this is the reason 
why Moshe Rabbeinu called his firstborn son Gershom. As the Pasuk explains in verse number 3, and her two children, Gershom, which the name of the one is Gershom, Ki Omar, because it says, Geroisi, I was a stranger in a foreign land. So clearly Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, why did he allow his oldest son to have a little hotness? Because Gershom, because he is going to be a stranger in a strange place. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu allowed them to have a little hotness, and therefore he agreed with Yisro that his oldest son will have a little hotness. But the Berach Moshe explains that eventually Yisro changed his mind and held like Moshe Rabbeinu, that a person should be totally humble. How do I know that? Because in verse number 5 it's written that Yisro, the father-in-law Moshe, came to Moshe, to the desert, where he's resting there in the mountain of Hashem, and there it's written that he came to Moshe, and he explains that to Moshe means he came to the sheet of Moshe, to the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu held that you shouldn't be haughty. How do I know that? Because he came to the desert, meaning that he learned from the desert, and the Gemara in Irvin, Daf Nundala Tomadal 54a, writes down, what is the meaning, what is written in Bamidbar, chapter 21, verse number 18, Midbar Matana, and from the Midbar Matana, the Gemara there says, if a person makes himself like a desert, that everybody steps on them, then the Torah is given to him as a gift. Meaning that only if you are totally humble, then you merit to have Torah. Because you have to be so humble that everybody steps on you, then you merit to have Torah. And also, he saw that Moshe is Choyna Haralikim, is resting in the mountain of Hashem. And we know the mountain of Hashem is Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai received the presence of Hashem because it was humble. It wasn't the tallest mountain. As the Alshach explains in the first Mishnah in Avois, that Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai, Moshe received the Torah from Sinai, meaning from what he learned at Sinai, that you require to be humble. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, received the Torah, because Moshe Rabbeinu was humble, he received the Torah. So Israel, by seeing Haru Alekim, the Mount of Hashem, realized that you have to be humble. Therefore, Israel decided that Moshe Rabbeinu's view is correct, and a person should be totally humble and not have any haughtiness at all. According to this Sefer, Berach Moshe now translates the beginning of the Parsha differently. He translates that the question of Rashi was, Mashmiwa Shama Uba. What did Israel hear that caused them to come to the opinion of Moshe Rabbeinu? Meaning, as we mentioned previously, Israel believed that a little bit of haughtiness is okay. Then what caused Israel to see that being haughty is not good? So the answer that Rashi brings is that he saw Kriyas Yamsuf, the crossing of the sea, and Melchemes Amalek, and the fight against Amalek. And the Berach Moshe explains in the following way. When it's the crossing of the sea, we see that the Egyptians only were punished because they were haughty. As it's written in the first verse of the Shira, of the Song of the Sea, in chapter 15, verse number 1, it says, O Shira Hashem ki go I will sing to Hashem because He's exalted above all arrogance. And Targumunkulz explains, that he is exalted over the haughty, meaning that because the Egyptians were haughty, therefore they were punished. And also, there is a Medesh Tanchuma in Beshalach, Simon Yud Beis, 
that the Madrash says, Kol ham is going, that anybody who is haughty, Bo'amehem is going, Bo'ehem nifraim, in what they are haughty, that is what causes their punishment. And the Madrash explains that the Egyptians got punished via water because they were haughty with water, meaning that they were haughty with the Nile River, which is water. Therefore, they were punished by water. So we see that because the Egyptians were haughty, therefore they got punished. Therefore, Yisra saw that it's not good to be haughty. And if you are haughty, Hashem punishes you. And also in regards to the war against Amalek, it's written in the Medish Rabbah in Bamidbor, Parsha Yud Gimel, Simon Gimel, where there the Medish Rabbah is analyzing the Pasuk in Mishle, chapter 29, verse number 23, where the verse says, Gavas Adom Tashpilenu, a man's pride will bring him low, Ushfal Ruach, a lowly spirit, Yismech Kovit, will support his honor. And the Medish says, that Gavas Adam Yashpileno, that the haughtiness of a man will make him low, that is a Molech, Shemacharev Magadev, Allah Kodesh Baruch that a Molech was belittling and blaspheming against Hashem, and Ushfal Ruach is covered, and a low spirit will support his honor, that is Yeshua that killed a Molech. So we see that because a Molech was haughty, therefore, Hashem sent Yeshua to kill him. So once Yisroi saw the Kriyas Yams of the cutting of the sea, which there we see that it's not good to be haughty, and he saw the Melchemes Amolek, the war against Amolek, where he also saw that it's not good to be haughty, then Yisroi decided to come and join Moshe Rabbeinu's opinion, and therefore he came to the desert to Moshe Rabbeinu, because now he supported his opinion that you should not be haughty altogether. And Hashem Isbruch should help that we should all learn to be humble, like that will merit to have more Torah, and will also merit to have more harmony between ourselves, like that will merit to have Moshiach come, the Beis Amigdash rebuilt, Bimheiro Bayomenu, Amen.